This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in Take Command. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. What a game. What a freaking game, Logan. We did three and a half hours of radio this morning leading into that three and a half hour football game. And we could probably talk about it for three and a half more hours uh, yeah. if if we didn't want our wives to divorce us. So we'll stick to just a half hour here uh, as we wrap up this game. And what a game it was. Commanders 35, Broncos 33, a Hail Mary at the end, successful, a two-point conversion. Don't look at Benjamin St. Justin where his other hand was. That was not. But ultimately, a, a win for Washington that shows heart, grit, but also two words that keep coming to mind for me, Logan, are resilience and maturity. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I think, you know, someone said, like, I got a text from a buddy right after the game, and he was like, um, shout out to Doug, by the way. Uh, but he was like, up, Doug? <laughs> yeah, and he was like, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. And, I, you know, I don't know, like, if he's like, I feel like a better team would exploit some of the weaknesses and blah, blah, blah. And I totally get where he's coming from with that. But I'm also like the resilience and the maturity of this team. Like those two words you just said have been like in my brain since the Logan Thomas touchdown like this that is something that doesn't happen to this team in years past they don't have they don't have that resiliency they don't have that maturity they don't have the courage to kind of go out and battle for fourth court for four quarters even though everything's kind of tilted against them I don't know if that's coaching I don't know what that is um I I definitely think coaching EB's presence has definitely played a huge role in that the conditioning also I think is a huge factor um, but yeah, I look at that and I say, I, I'm in total agreement with you. Like, this is something that is very unique. It feels very unique. And obviously it's two games, long season ahead, but I think this is a huge character kind of defining moment or establishing moment for this team. And it's something that, you know, again, when I was playing, I didn't really feel it when I was here. And when, since, since covering the team, I didn't feel it. And this is, this is, this is going to be a big deal and something that pays dividends for them uh, moving forward for sure. I think there's so many places you can point. You have to give credit to the head coach. Um, there's other things about this game that uh, specifically uh, the decision to, as, as he is poking over your left shoulder there, uh, not address the long snapping situation. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, before that, 
there's nothing to sweat about if there's an extra field goal on the board. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a coaching decision uh, in the in the middle of that second half where he decides to try the 59 yarder instead yeah. of punting. I, I don't like either of those decisions. But when it comes to the character of the team, it obviously starts with the head coach. It then goes to Eric Bieniemy for sure. His impact on this team is massive. The leadership of guys, yeah, Jack, Jack. I mean, Jack as well. I think that. His steady demeanor, like I can imagine Del Rio after they're down 21-3, just going to his guys and going, long football game, boys. Yeah. Been around this thing a long time. And so, yeah, absolutely with Del Rio. I think the leadership of Allen and McLaurin, uh, obviously like the the character and the kind of the demeanor of those two men, certainly. But I also think that Sam Howell has a lot to do 100%. with this. And yeah, not just because he is the quarterback, like doing the physical quarterbacking, but he is so steady. And there's, I think, a lot of great stuff from him in this game. I think there's a lot of the stuff where you're like, dude, you got to start. Like, that's, I don't want to say you want to start cleaning up. It's his third career start. Let me, let me self edit there. But like the stuff where you're like, that's young quarterback stuff. If he doesn't get better at that stuff, I don't know how long his career will be as a starter in the league. Some of the footwork and the timing and some of the things that get off kilter a little bit. But from a mentality and a demeanor standpoint, from a belief standpoint, I think he has a massive role to play in this, and I don't think that's overstating it, even though he is just a three-game starter now in the NFL. Yeah, I was talking to B. Mitch about this on the postgame show, and it's like when you've got that quarterback who's just like the leader of the group, you know, like, you know, I felt like this with a, a little bit with like uh, Matt Ryan, um, a little bit with Deshaun Watson, like they're just, there's like this calm composure, like the the world could, it seems like the world could be on fire for those guys, and they are just like, you look to him and like, oh, he's good. Like, we're good. You know what I'm saying? And I think Sam has a little bit of that. You know, like you hear it in his press conferences. You hear it um, kind of the way guys talk about him on the field. Like, you see it in his demeanor. Like, I, didn't, I never really felt like the body language got bad. He just was like, you know, we're out here. We're going to just keep chopping wood. And I think there's a lot of value to that. And I think there's um, – that's special. That's, that's a special person to do that. And, again, it's not just him. It's not just the coaches. It's everything. And, you know, like I just think like – that Jamin Davis force fumble, like how many times yeah. have we seen someone make a play and then nothing happens off of it? Nothing happens because of it. And then they go down and then Logan Thomas makes maybe the catch of the year, you know, like unconscious holding onto the football. And like they they do something with it. They get the two-point conversion. They did everything that they set out to do. And all of a sudden, it's not just the fumble. It's not just the catch. It's not just the, two, the two-point conversion. It's all those things coming together and a belief in the offense, and then it creates a belief in the defense. It creates an energy and a momentum. And I know PFF and all these analytic nerds, like they get freaked out about the word momentum because it's not a quantifiable thing. Yeah. In this game, like you see it. You see what's going on there. And like, you know, having played and been in those situations, like you feel like you're in a dark pit when you, you know, it's 20, when it's 21 to three and you're like, there's nothing we can do to get out of it. And then, slowly the light starts to creep in and you're like, okay, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we can get out of here. And then again, you can't quantify it. You can't talk about it, but to get those three plays in succession, you know, in terms of sequence of the game, right. In conjunction with the leadership. Uh, it, 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 I'm just telling you from having been in those situations a lot as a player, and it, it's incredibly challenging to see that turn the way it did. And it just, again, it, it speaks to something. I don't know what it is. And if it, if I didn't know what it was, I'd be making a ton of money coaching. But, you know, like there is something there that is very special. 
Without question. And like, I laugh because, you know, we both love PFF and the numbers and the data. And yeah, like, it's incredibly valuable as a resource. But if you think momentum isn't real, you've never played sports. And if you think like being in the zone isn't real, you've right. never played sports. If I can get in the zone a couple of times in my life shooting threes in a pickup game, <laughs> I can't imagine what it feels like to be Steph Curry when the basket feels like the Pacific Ocean. Right. So like, you know, that stuff is real. And it's, you know, it's it is a combination like eventually maybe some other nerds will be able to quantify it in terms of, you know, the emotional like a mix of adrenaline and nerves. And I don't know, there's probably like some hormonal stuff that happens like the, the, the inner chemistry of the human body is pretty freaking wild. That's for a different podcast. But like there's no doubt that stuff in some form or fashion combines into being in the zone and self-belief and like that that ability to perform at a higher level. Um, a couple of other things that you hit on there, and then I want to kind of wrap up on how Kareem Jackson can get suspended for a game, at least in my book. That hit on Logan Thomas is so dirty, and he's now done it two weeks in a row. Oh, did he do it um, last week as well? Yeah, he was he was flagged for... I think he's the one who knocked out Jacoby Myers last week. Oh, um, Late really? in that game. And so, you know, like, if you are going to play... Football is a violent game. It's a collision sport, not a contact sport. That's all fine. But there is a, a respect of humanity and people's health and well-being that I think you should just like it's part of being a pro. And if you're yeah. gonna play like that, you don't belong in the pros. You're not a pro. And so it's, suspend him. And so I'm like a little bit, you know, old school blue collar, like you know, the targeting stuff. I you know, like I think it's valuable, I think it's important, but that was beyond anything. That was just an unsafe play from start to yeah. finish. Like, I don't know, like you might have closed. He's you. thinking, oh, I gotta separate man from ball. No, you don't. You lost the rep. You, you, you're separating man from consciousness. Don't do that. But also, like, your eyes are closed then. Because if I'm trying to separate you from the ball, I'm trying to strike the football. I'm not trying to hit you with my shoulder pad and helmet and like while I'm turning. It, it just it was unsafe so for him. It was unsafe for him. It was unsafe yep. for Logan. And uh, I agree with you. Like, And, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit – I'm always apologetic towards the defender in, this, in these situations most of the time. That felt um, – that felt different, you know what I mean. He launched. It, it was helmet. It was egregiously late. It was and, and he and, and and for his own safety, man, he's gonna hurt himself yep. if he's not yep. being careful there. So I agree with you. That was that was pretty. That was a pretty intense. I haven't seen a hit like that in a very long time. And so yep. was, hopefully Logan Thomas is okay. He looks like he's yep. okay. And and I agree. Like there needs to be some type of uh, some punishment for that. I, I think so. Yeah, without question. Um, as as for Hal himself, um, was it thirty times in the first half? Yeah. That's nuts. Uh, way more efficient, obviously, in the second. That tends to happen when you don't throw it 30 times. Yep. Um, but you see some of the special arm talent. Um, I, I think you do see oh some gosh, of the yeah. uh, hurried up. Like, he's patting the ball in the pocket. Like, you, you made a great point uh, throughout the, the week on the podcast. There's no progression. There's no footwork that calls for patting the ball twice in the pocket. Yep. So you definitely saw, especially in the first half, some of that. But what do you make of his ability to just keep at it and make some of these big-time major throws including obviously the showcase is the, the touchdown to Terry. Yeah, man. I mean, <clears throat> like it's like, we were talking about this on the pregame, but you know, I've talked about this. Like there is a, he's learning the process, right? Like the more exposure he has to NFL defenses, the, the, the more he's going to understand like where the ball needs to go. Like I always think back to, to Tom Brady, like the, the stories I've heard about Tom Brady, about him based on the coverage kind of not predetermining, but having a, a notion of where the ball should go and how long it should take the ball to get there. And I think that that is something that just comes with experience, you know, like living to play another day, living to fight another down and understanding when that clock goes off. Like it, it gives me anxiety as a guy who was a former pass protector and as a guy who 
coach's offensive line, to see him back there and know the ball needs to be out and be feeling it. And it go and like the seconds sticking by, it's not actual seconds, but you know, like the one and a half seconds extra that he's in there. I'm just like, that needs to be expedited a little bit, you know? And I think some of that's play calling. I think some of it also comes off of, you know, I, I think EB is in this state where he's thinking a lot about Kansas city. And I think it's not a coincidence that the offense gets a little bit more effective when you're running the football. And I know there's a lot of people that from an analytics perspective would say you should never run the football because there's no added value. But my, my, my point here is that like, it just limits some of the big decisions for the quarterback, right? Especially when you're yes. being semi-effective with it, you're just limiting the quarterback's decision-making processes, right? Like we watched that Atlanta game today with Desmond Ritter and like, he doesn't have to throw the ball a whole bunch, you know? And so when he does and he can kind of put himself out there and be leveraged and make those nice throws, it's because they've, he's kind of built up a, like a, a stability in the offense that comes from running the football. And I think you saw that a little bit in the second half, not entirely, but a little bit in the second half, you saw the screen game come live. Again, they are not pushing the ball down the field. They're getting the ball out of his hand. They're running the football better. They find easy throws. And then when it's time and Sam knows we're calling this drop back pass, I can pat the ball twice. The, the defensive line's fatigued. They're not got, they don't have their ears back the same way. And it just allows for a more effective, productive uh, second half, I think. And, you know, it'll be really, I think I'm, that's something I'm really excited to do is like watch the all 22 and be like, yeah. you know, what is, what is real and what's just my perception coming out of the game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What um, anyone who says that you should never run the football um, is well, the math. Looking, the math says don't. Well, you know it, what I'm saying? It, it doesn't though. Like that's that's the thing is like the results say that because the the EPA and the yards per play and any number you look at is better on pass plays than run plays. But it takes away the impact that running the football has on passing the football. Like there's Correct. a schematic impact that Correct. you have when you have to respect the run that opens up larger windows. And it also goes to the fact that if you tell me to succeed in my task, I have to make 45 correct decisions and any one could be that's incorrect could totally change my fortunes or I have to make 25 Give me the task that's 25. And yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about because the the dramatic change of an interception or a, a sack fumble like we saw last week, like 
those are massive plays that typically don't come in the run game. Even if you turn it over in the run game, it's like scored on the pile and everybody falls on it. and The ball's dead where it is. And that sucks, but you know, it happens less often than an interception. Um, like fumble percentages are lower than interception percentages. Sure. So, you know, there's, there is a mitigation of risk and also uh, making the job easier and allowing for mental clarity of the quarterback that comes with running the football. And it also, those numbers do not reflect something that you could talk about far better than me, but that offensive linemen prefer going forward compared to backwards. Like if you are an offensive lineman and you get to fire off the ball and hit someone, that's way better than getting back in your pass protection stance and having someone run into you. Um, yeah. Especially if a guy's going to just bull rush you all game and run into your face. Like that's, yeah. that doesn't sound very fun. And fun. so I think, I think in the second half, you see that and you see by the end of the game, how worn down Denver is. Um, you see Brian Robinson start to gash you and, and, and then you also get the, efficacy of something like the screen game like that screen to gibson uh and the one to robinson there's two big ones in yeah, the game big one. like those things get out because denver doesn't know which way is up they're yeah. they're run here pass there if we play up they run it if they or if they we play back they run it if we play up they throw it over our heads like eb got into a rhythm in this game and considering they are literally childhood friends that is no yeah. way to treat your friend the way EB has treated Vance Joseph over the years. And he had his number again today with Howell, and they put up 35. But it, a lot of that obviously does come. I mean, one, it, I think you made a great point. We were texting. It starts with a two-minute. I mean, obviously, yeah. it kind of starts with the Logan Thomas touchdown. But that two-minute drive they put together at the end of the yeah. half, that that uh, honey hole shot to John Bates on the sideline, Crazy. what a throw. Um, but really, from that point on, Bienemy was just in a rhythm, and it comes with that balance to keep Denver off balance, and it opens up the big stuff that results in pass plays having a better EPA than running game or your run plays by the end of it. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't think the offense was poor to start. I think they moved the ball pretty effectively on the first two drives. They just didn't finish the way they needed to finish, which is which is tough because, like, I've been a part of offenses. I think the offense in 2010 and 2011 with Kyle at the helm here when I was in Washington was I think the most productive offense from a yardage standpoint or top four, but we were like 25th in points. So that, you know, obviously that dynamic changes uh, from an offensive efficiency standpoint. Um, and you saw that in the game. The other thing I, I would just, I'm really excited to go back and look at is like what kind of coverage structures Denver was playing. Cause it seemed like they were playing <clears throat> not man, but some softer coverage structures that were causing Sam to hold the football. And usually when you're doing that, um, you've got like, you know, a split safety look, you're playing Tampa two, you're playing cover three with a, with a lurk guy. And this, this, the coverage structures are, are clouding windows. And I kind of wonder if like when they start running the football, Vance Joseph says, shoot, we can't have them gash us like this. Let's commit more resources to stop in the run and let's get out of some of these better coverage personnels. And then that opens up some of the passing game. And I don't know, we won't know that for sure until we watch the all 22 but I do think that's another thing that could have potentially impacted the effectiveness of the offense in the second half. So again, like great performance by EB, you know, in terms of calling and, and changing stuff, but also like this, the whole group was, was incredibly resilient. You know, the offensive yeah. line, man, faced a ton of adversity early and they, they, they looked awesome in the second half of that game. And so uh, kudos to that group and B Rob running the way he did the screen. It was so nice to see Gibson catch that screen. Nick Gates getting out with the little bump, you know, on, on the on the rat killer, they call those guys. So killing those rats because, you know, pursuit kills screens. And so preventing that was awesome. So, yeah, like there's just so many positive elements coming out of that from an offensive perspective. And then, you know, we'll probably talk about this in a minute, but to see them be supported by the defense was, was I mean, it really was such an impressive game to watch. And I can't remember since I've been covering the team so for like three years now, seeing a game ever like this where there was so much adversity early 
and then they were able to overcome it. I mean, how many times have you watched a, a game here and it just, oh, they're down by two scores and they're one. never really back into it. What was the other time? There's one, and Spiro mentioned it on the broadcast. It's the, you like that game. It's the, right. It's, it's 2015 yes. Tampa, yes. which was which is also before it was the you like that game. It was the code red game because Gruden had said during the week it's code red. Yeah. Um, and then they were down 24 three, I think like, it was bad. And like the the last score before they turned it around was like a cousin sack fumble return for touchdown. Wow. And I had already I remember being in the press box writing my post game column about how not just the game was over but the season was over and like Gordon yeah. was going to get fired, and then they won uh, because Jordan Reed lost his mind uh, and also Tampa lost their minds because they just stopped covering him. Um, so uh, yeah, that was, that's the only time. I mean, that's the last time they came back from this kind of defi- deficit uh, as, as my guy Spiridita said on the, on the CBS broadcast. And that's, that's it. Like other yeah. than that, you're, you're right. And it was funny. I got a text from one of my buddies during the game. Uh, and he was like, I was Logan going to tell us the offensive line played well on this one too. And this was Probably. later in the game. And I was like, are you watching the second half? Like, <laughs> they, they turned it on. And, and that's what you like to see the, the growth during a game, um, the ability to adapt and adjust during a game. Uh, obviously they'd like faster starts. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, I'm sure they would. But, yeah. But I, I think you said that well of like, they actually moved the ball pretty well early. They didn't finish. Yeah. Um, then they figured out how to finish and, and you keep grinding and, you know, uh, last week, my big takeaway is, Hey, 60 minute football game. And uh, in many ways, in very different right. aspects, that was the, the takeaway from this week as well. Uh, and as for uh, wanting to watch all this stuff on tape, that's why you listen to the midweek pod, the yes. film review podcast out Wednesday mornings, wherever you subscribe. All right. Uh, let's do talk about the defense in the final sure. six minutes and change that we have uh, here. I guess we have a little bit longer because we had a five minute countdown at the start of this. Five so minutes. We're going to do a 30 minute countdown. That means we have uh, 11 minutes left of talking. Uh, that meme with the numbers flying by. Yeah, that's especially you, bro. You've been talking about this game since (laughs) for hours at this point. Yeah. Um. All right. So the defense starts off. They 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 should have listened to the take command pregame show. Yeah. What I say, my key to the game was no explosive plays. plays. (laughs) So that's something. Let me just say that real quick. I, I love as an analyst. I love when someone says like. Oh, they need to limit explosive plays. They need to protect the football or whatever, you know, like the generic thing is. The question that I always wonder is how are they going to do that? That is always Well, my they thing. wondered too the first quarter and a half. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, is, did you listen to Ron's post game by any chance? I'm not sure. Uh, I did not get a chance to listen to it. Yeah. Yet. So I, we just listened to it on the show. And one of the things that came out of it was like, man, we had too many coverage busts early. And too many yep. people not know not be where they're supposed to be, and um, I think that is again one of the brilliant brilliant elements of Sean Payton's offense is they they know what they're doing in terms of cultivating play action shots. They got the one to uh, Mims off of a corner of a off a double cornerback pressure, and again you're getting guys in coverage there with different responsibilities and different allocation of of coverage resources. So I think it's perfectly understandable that you bust that kind of unusual pressure look, but. Um, Kudos to them too, man. Like everyone's talking yeah. about the adversity of the offense face. Like, way to settle in to Ron Payne and just be like, we're done with this nonsense. Here's yeah. three consecutive baller well, plays. Yeah, that's the start of the second half. Let's let's quickly Sorry, like talk yeah. about that first half though. Yeah. And some of the things that, that go wrong. It's funny because somewhere Scott Turner is sitting at home mumbling under his breath. I thought this is why I like mesh so much. They get mesh <laughs> on that touchdown play and, and those do, crossers yeah. and like 
there's a reason like we can make fun, is of, fun of it now but like mesh is a great concept you just can't run it every third down Correct. um and you have to every you know, scheme it up different ways but they did a really good job of using that and getting the crossers and putting cody barton and jamin davis in conflict and making them talk to kendall fuller and whoever else is out there and you know when that stuff's happening fast and it feels like Denver discovered what speed was between weeks one and two offensively. It's crazy. Um, but they they just had a bunch of fast dudes running horizontally across the field <laughs> and said, see if you can keep up. And the commanders couldn't for a while. Um, and, and the way that they settled in on the back end, like we'll get to the front end uh, in a second, but the way they settled in on the back end and started to shut some of that stuff down, then obviously they clean up the the big plays, the over-the-top stuff. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's enormous uh, in that in, in the way that plays out. No, 100%. And again, I missed some of that. I had to listen to it in the car while I was driving from our show to the show that I do after the game. But I do think, you know, like in terms of reviewing some of the film and some of the stuff that's on Twitter, like it, it, you just you just got punched in the face and then you couldn't quite settle in. And they had a really good game plan, Sean Payton did. And uh, and again, like like you're talking about, it was it was a little bit different than maybe they expected and they didn't and they weren't quite ready for what they presented. Uh, but they were able to f- settle in and do a much better job in the second half. And I do think it's it's very closely correlated to how the defensive line played. Because early on, the, I felt like the defensive line was a little quiet. You know, they weren't quite in a rhythm. They didn't really quite have a feel. There was all this, you know, play action and boots and rushing attack. And they and, and it kind of unsettled them. And that's what we – and in the pregame show and in the week, that's what we talked about. But I think once the D-line kind of got a feel uh, for what was going on, that was to me maybe the biggest factor in terms of settling everything down for, for – for the Broncos offense. It was just like, oh, well, we kind of have a feel for these blocks. We have a feel for the personnel that's out there. Now we know how to win, and we're just going to win, 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 and good luck trying to beat that group uh, when, when they're on a roll. A couple of really good calls from Jack Del Rio, um, and that, that starts with the the second half, uh, yeah. the beginning of the second half. They're in, I think for all three of that plays of that first series, I know for the first two, I, I meant to go back and check the third down. I think they're in Cinco. Sure. And they get those isolated one-on-ones, and Deron Payne just absolutely murders the guard in front of him. Three plays in a row. Goodbye. Good night. See you later. And they're off the field. And, you know, they got a great ET stunt, you know, with Montez Sweat and Deron, where Sweat is great in the pressure and Payne gets his hand up and bats the ball. Like, it was great. It was great to see. And again, like, two weeks in a row now, the defensive line basically says, like, yeah, we're done with this. We're gonna like put our stamp on the game right. in the second quarter, in the third quarter of a football game, and then that that switch that switches the momentum and the dynamic completely. So right, uh, and that's what I was gonna say is like you know the defensive line sets the tone. Well, and the tone that they set in the first quarter was get your ass kicked. Like yeah. Denver just marched down the field, including a ton of yardage on the ground in that first drive, yeah. and just absolutely tore them to shreds. And you're like, what kind of? There's no resistance here. Like you yeah. even make it hard. And then second half, like, oh, we've now set the tone. Uh, the tone is now we kick your ass. And Deron Payne uh, was lead ass kicker. Uh, yeah. But also there was a, a key third down, I think, later in the game where, like, they call uh, – it's the one where Chase gets the sack chasing down in the red zone from behind. Uh-huh, yep. On Wilson. Um, that's on a zone blitz. And, again, mm-hmm. like, creating a one-on-one, he drops Montez out. Barton winds up coming. Yes, um, that's right. And, that's and, right. Payne winds up on McGlinchey and McGlinchey's like very he's like what are you doing here I know. where's the dude to my outs like he he was all Mc, turned around Mc, and Payne's able to get in the field he had, had a rough game especially yeah. blocking like blocking down on the slide protection on Duran like Duran was like oh you're not you you see me well you don't see me now let me get a nice yeah. pressure here real quick so yeah I think again and Jack didn't do anything 
crazy, but like what we talked about in the pregame show, like if you just do enough to right. keep guys unsettled and make the quarterback hold the ball, you got enough good rushers out there that they're going to make something happen for you. And, you know, you mentioned Chase, man. Like I was so happy to see him back out there and perform at a very high level. Like He got better and better as the game went. As the, and more confident. And, and there was a couple of times I was talking to B. Mitch while we were watching the game. And, you know, he's high with this rush. I'm like, oh, man, that's old Chase. And then like the very next play, he's like, nope, we are crazy tight here. We're collapsing this down. Like game over for you know what I'm saying? Like it was just well, nice there was to see him there was a sequence assertive. towards the end of that game where he goes way high and it's like Russ gets out and I'm I literally tweeted about it. Um so I could go back and like check the timestamp, but I he goes high and it you're like, dude, come Don't on. Do that. Yeah. And then the next play, he goes right back inside and he and John play a game up front. Um Chase loops inside. And Russ is like, well, got him again. And he doesn't realize that Allen's outside. Yeah. And John had looped back around. Russ realizes he has nowhere to go. And he goes right into – and that might have been the one where Chase and Montez wind up getting that yes. half sack piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, these guys – if these guys can figure out how to rush together – and we talked about that in the pregame, how yeah. uh, Payne and Allen love rushing next to Sweat because they can trust him to, like, cover. Like, hey, if I get washed inside, like, you're going to go outside. Like, we can play these games. Mm-hmm. We can stunt. We can twist. We can do all this stuff. And it took him about two and a half quarters to figure out how to do it with Chase Young in a game. And if that's how they're going to rush as a as a foursome, good night NFL. Like they're well, they're not going to give up thirty points in any more games this year if they can rush like that for four quarters. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Josh Allen could very well put up forty points on them next week. But if if they can maintain that level, yeah. that's a different story. Well, and even like you know, you mentioned the foursome. Like I mean, James has a sack. Casey has a sack. Like. Um, Abdullah Anderson has a, at least two pressures. You know what I mean? Like that. Also had a ball hit him in the belly. I know. I saw that. But the two, but all those guys working together, yeah. like it's not just the four. It's like the depth pieces are playing well too. And then, like, even to your point, like there was one Chase goes high. He's way too deep. Russell scrambles. Next play, Chase compresses the pocket and John does a great job of compressing. And there's nowhere for anyone to go. Russ tries to escape to his right. Chase runs him down and gets that, shoe, that, that shoestring tackle. So, um, yeah, man, it was just, um, it was, it was, I don't know. It was just great to see that group kind of come to life and play with a great physicality, play with a great intensity. And we've, we've talked, I've talked about this with you a ton. I've talked about it on the show, just them asserting a certain level of dominance and control is something that I think is, t- is slowly ratcheting this group into one of those groups that is the best in the NFL. And I'm not saying that lightly, like the more they can do this, the more they can put their stamp on a game and say like, and it's not just production. It's the situations in which that production comes is so, so critical. So um, I, I'm really excited for Chase. Obviously, Montez, I think he gets another sack and a half. Is that true today? Um, oh, yeah, so, Montez second so half. So that's three for the year, which is three awesome Three and two games, him. yeah. That's, and then uh, Duran being a beast, then John being John. Like, it's it's awesome to to see that. So so good for uh, so good for that group, and it, I, I'm really excited. Like, there's a couple things you come out of this game, like, extremely excited about. The defensive line is one, and I think the poise and composure of the team is the other, and Sam Howell's poise and composure specifically. So lots of yeah. cool things in this game. Um, for sure. All right. We have to do it at the end. What are we doing? No, I'm, not, I'm just going to – I'm not even going to do the long snapper rant. We've done the long snapper rant. Everyone gets the long snapper rant. No, what we have to talk about is the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary. What about Bro, it? Bro, what are we doing? Uh, do we have to heart attack it? Can we not? I guess we do have to. You know, like it, I knew it was going to be a heart attack when they completed the the out route to Sutton. Which was that even complete? 
I, when I looked at it again, it's in slow mo. I was like, "Was his? I think it was his right foot. Was it down? It does it never gets down? And when it goes fact, down, it goes down out of bounds. And it was inside. And Gene like, <clears throat> he dragged his toe. I was like, "No, he didn't." <laughs> yeah, I was. I was a little bit like, I, I had. I don't listen to it with the sound because I just like to watch. But I was like, that looks like it's not down. And I guess it's reviewed in automatically within two minutes, right? Did they review it? Uh, theoretically, it <clears throat> sure showed a lot of replays. I don't know if they ever actually looked at it. Sure. Yeah. So that was when they completed that, I was like, this is going to be spicy here for the last play. Like, because it's it's so much closer. You can make that throw. And then I think you get Forbes jumping up for the football. It's like, bro, yeah. like I know you want to get a pick, just knock that sucker down. It goes through it, like bounces off someone's head. Cam Crow's trying to punch it out. He punches it right to the guy standing in the back of the end zone. Like there's a reason, and I we used to do this thing every, was it Saturday? Every Saturday walkthrough, they would do a Hail Mary. And the scout team would run down there and they'd fake a Hail Mary. And it used to drive me absolutely insane when the defensive back would jump up, even in the walkthrough, for an interception. I think it comes from when Mike Shanahan was here and Kyle was here. Because if the defensive back jumped up for the interception, they would do it again and again and again until he knocked it down. So some dude would think it's cool to get the interception to kind of start running back. They were like, no, we're going to do that again. You knock these down. You don't knock them up. You don't go for the interception. Knock them to the ground. And that has just been so ingrained in my mind that every team I went to when they didn't do that, I was like, this is terrible. They're not practicing this correctly. And that this is the exact reason why you don't do that, why you don't go for the pick, why you don't tip it up. Knock that puppy down, man. The game is over. Knock it down. Like, and so again, that kind of speaks to some weird primal, like, you know, rookie through year five coaching that just was indoctrinated in me, but knock the ball down. The key word is down. Knock the ball down. Because I was always like, why did you hit it? Just catch it. Then they can't catch it if you catch it. But then you see why, because the ball goes right through a dude's hands or it gets knocked out and it starts batting around. If you knock it down to the ground, the game is over. Have you ever been in? You've, I don't know if you've ever done that before. I've been in a couple of those where you're jumping up for the football, and everyone says, "Oh, dude, just jump up and catch it. It's going to be so easy." That thing is like a big mosh pit, and so you have no control over really like where your body's going. So the idea that you can just jump up and catch it is like kind of insane. Every once in a while, you see it happen, but before like before the new like PI rules, it used to be really aggressive about like actively pushing you out of the way. And so again, just when the when the opportunity's there. Knock, knock the sucker down. And um, Jay Z, throw up the rock sign where there's yeah. not enough room for the ball to go in between your hands and swat it down. I tried I to, do, I was very unathletic looking because I was trying to keep it within the frame of the camera, but just get it, dunk yeah, it volley, down. Volleyball spiked that thing to the ground. So uh, obviously, doesn't doesn't end up hurting you totally, even though maybe a little close there. On the yeah, the Benjamin St. Juice got, he can do his celebration, but he, uh, he got away with PI. Bad yeah. one, but yeah. hey, if uh, they never should have had that in the first place, then uh, because the Sutton, Sutton catch wasn't a catch, then right. I don't feel bad about it. So the ball never lies, right? Yeah, the ball, ball never ball lies. Up. And also, if uh, there hadn't been a bad snap on the first field goal, none of it would have mattered. Okay, I did the long snapper thing. <laughs> All right, uh, that is our podcast for today, tonight, this evening. Uh, the live stream as we wrap at nine forty-seven p.m. Uh, that is Logan. Uh, he's going to go watch a bunch of tape over the next couple of days. I'm Craig. I'm going to watch as much as I can. Uh, sure. and, and then we're going to reconvene on Tuesday morning uh, and by Tuesday afternoon. The full long pod tape breakdown extravaganza of this game will be out on YouTube. and It'll be in your audio feeds on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the free Odyssey app. First thing Wednesday morning. We'll then preview the Buffalo game later in the week. So make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. 
Uh, until then, uh, Logan, good good to see you. Met my, many hours talking football. Apparently, we've reached the end of my ability to speak. Uh, I'll, I'm going to recoup, recover, and I'll see you all on the radio tomorrow from 4 to 7. We get started right at 4 with our first and 10, first segment, 10 observations. So don't be late on the Team 980. Uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you later in the week for the tape breakdown. Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't, you, why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And, Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 106.7, the fans' YouTube page. Go check it out, and please subscribe. Yeah, do, do what Logan said. Do He's it. very, very smart. <laughs>